0: had a really um unusual summer i had a series i was doing uh started back in april on love but every time i get up to get in the pulpit something happens and i think it's because something deeper is going on inside me just in my private times with god and uh, i had um i had notes that i had prepared this week to speak and i had gone over my notes yesterday and uh I was going over him this morning, then I I got to my chair upstairs to pray and I kneeled down and I had an encounter with God again that I won't tell you about right now because I don't want it to hinder what God's saying. But during that encounter, God spoke to me and changed my message and I have never preached this in my life, not one time. Now, I've said some things about some of it, but not this way. But God gave me an illumination of Scripture I'd never seen. And I'd like to share that with you. Would you like to hear it? So the title of this is The Armor of Righteousness. We're living in a day, y'all, that um, God's calling us to seriously walk with Him. A lot of believers in America have been playing around. There's an awakening coming. And the awakening has to start in the men and women of God who preach and minister in churches. But the awakening is coming to each believer. I ministered, oh, a few weeks ago, the dark night of the soul. If you were here, that's my first Sunday back from vacation that I spoke. And you know, that's an in-between, dark night of the soul is an in-between time when, when you can't be satisfied with where you were and you don't know where you're going yet. Anybody ever been there? So in America, the church in America, that's where we are. Call it the dark night of the soul. A Catholic believer back hundreds of years ago coined that term and you hear that some and different things. It's in songs and such today, but that's what's happening. And God is endeavoring to draw us to himself and bring some changes and corrections so that we will be ready for what he's going to be doing next. So I'm just going to uh, kind of jump right into this and make some more comments and read some things. Number one today, God is seeking purity in the individual believer. So I have a question for me and you. Have you embraced purity in your life? The biblical word is holiness. But when I say purity, you kind of get it, right? Purity in thought. Purity in motive. Purity in physical habits. Purity in how you carry yourself. Purity in your relationships. Have you embraced it? I was reminded again, 2 Corinthians 6, I mentioned this last Sunday, what union can there be? Verse 16, between God's temple and idols, for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. Now, you know, we read these things, but we don't really think about it. What would it mean for God to live in me? What would it mean for God to walk with me in me and I'm conscious of him That means there's some things I won't touch some things I won't look at some conversations I won't be I won't enter into some relationships I'll leave alone I never forget when I first came to the Lord in 1976 you know I came out of a very carnal world carnal life drugs and everything that went with it Jesus did a deep work in my life, and I, I, I can't help but weep to think that God would do that for me. But I remember I <clears throat> came into church services, and of course, we had a Bible school, and I attended a Bible school, that was part of the church I was in later. I brought a lot of young people there, and a lot of people like me who <clears throat> had been on drugs and you know hallucinogenics and things. And, um, and I remember, I, you know, we'd enter into conversations after church. And I'd be conversing, for instance, with this person, and then I'd converse with this person, and then another person would come up. And I would hear inside, have nothing to do with them. I'd per- I come up to a person, they come up to me, have nothing to do with him. Now, that wasn't words, it was an impression, but I knew. I knew. That if I entered into a close relationship with that person, they'd lead me away from God. And I was so tender in God, I was such a baby, I'd, I'd run off after anything at the time. And I just didn't know. So every time I would hear that, don't bother that person. Leave that person alone. And they were in our church, y'all. I didn't understand why God did that to me then, but I know now. Because it's 43 years ago. And I can see now. A lot of people that went to Bible school with me don't even walk with God now. Many are not even alive because the things of this life waylaid them. How many hear me? Now you know that could have been me, but see when he says I will live in them and walk among them. See, God wants to alter how we do life and how we see relationships. How many hear me? Yes or no? And instead of looking down, you pray for people. Pray for others. How many hear me? I'm saying that because in my spirit, I know are folk in the room, you've got relationships that are leading you astray. And if you keep going down that path, the path will end up in ruin. Spiritual ruin. How many hear me? So he goes on to say here, I will be their God, they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers. Now, again, I mentioned this last time I talked about this, not, not, not segregation, separation. That means I'm among all kinds of people, but I choose not to participate in things that I know are wrong, that they're doing. And I might not, you know, in the context of whatever it is and wherever I am, it may be that I can't say anything about it in the moment, but I just know for me, I'm not doing that. And if somebody asks me, I'll say, well, I'm not doing that. Not, not today, not ever. You ask me why, then God gives me permission I share, right? So he says, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. And then he clarifies, don't touch their filthy things. Now what happens when you choose not to touch filth? I'll let you define what filth is. And I will welcome you. How many want to be welcomed by the Father? What would it mean to be welcomed by the father? Would you have his care? Would you have his protection? Would you have his peace? Would you have his aid? Would his healing power settle down on your physical body? And even as you age, keep it subtle and healthy. Yes or no? And I will be your father. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. There's something that grabs my heart. I will be your father. Some of you have had abusive fathers, absent fathers, careless fathers. But I'm here to tell you, when God is your father, you have never been loved like he can love you. Huh? There is a word Colossians 2 says, And of His fullness have we all received and grace for grace. There's a fullness that comes in life when you learn to be loved by the Father. And there are folk in the room today, you're just empty. You're you're living on fumes because you're not full. Y'all listen, when you get full of Him, full of the Father, Full of his love, recognizing that he's dwelling with you and walking with you. How many know that fullness gives you a disdain for anything unlike him? There's nothing on the outside can satisfy that something on the inside when you have him. Yes or no? Huh? I'm telling you. I married my wife. I miss my wife, y'all. She's been gone for two weeks. I get to see her tomorrow. There is no woman pretty enough, smelly enough, primped up enough to catch my eye because I found my love. Right? Likewise. When the Father comes, you let Him in your life, there's nothing else that can catch your eye. You get it? I will be your Father, and you will be my sons and daughters. Isn't that good? Then 2 Corinthians 7, 1, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. Why? Why? Because we want that fatherly love. We want that fatherly relationship. Inside, we want to be full. We want Him to come and dwell in fullness, right? Now, here's a telltale sign. If I'm not allowing the Father, To dwell in fullness in me. Listen, then I will have appetites for the distractions of this life. You get it? Huh? Appetites are sneaky. Huh? You're on a diet, but you got this appetite, this craving for sugar. I got to have a bowl of ice cream. I got to have a Snickers bar. I got to have some peanut M&Ms. Or spiritual appetites that you don't need will come. I need recognition. I need to pay attention people to pay attention to me. I need to act and live in such a way that people know that I'm in the room. Hmm? Or I need my flesh satisfied. I need to look at some pornography. Or I need to have this illicit relationship with this person because I'm not satisfied by myself and I can't wait till I'm married. All of that comes from desire, y'all. And how many know when you get full of God, maybe you don't know, Let me, I'm, I'm just telling you, when you get full of Him, you don't want anything that distracts you from Him. Yes or no? Whew. God's getting, uh, seeking to get us, help us to make adjustments because of what's coming in the future. And I was reminded again this morning. Isaiah 60, verse 1, Arise, shine, your light has come, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Now this is today, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth like we've never seen, it's here, and it's not going to get any better, it's going to get worse. And it says deep darkness, one translation says gross darkness upon the people, that is people, things that affect people's character, the way they treat each other, and what they allow themselves to be involved in and do. Said deep darkness will cover the people of the world. The world's never experienced, to the degree that it's coming, what we see all over the planet right now. America has never seen what we're allowing in our lives right now. Yes or no? Huh? So darkness covers the earth, deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you. And His glory will be seen upon you. So in juxtaposition to the darkness, to counter the darkness, God says, I I got something up my sleeve. I'm going to bring my presence in a way that you don't want anything else. It'll overwhelm you and kick those appetites out. How many want that presence? And then he says, the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. That means the presence of God, the kabod. In The Old Testament, the Hebrew word is kabod, kavod. Really, it's a hard word to translate. It means weightiness. You know, when, when somebody of great stature, for instance, what if a president of a country would enter the room where you are, regardless of what country that is? Well, that's a dignitary. The presence of a dignitary carries weight, yes or no? Well, let's say you work for a big organization, and the CEO of that organization has been invited to a dinner with a certain select number of people, and you're in that select number of people. When the CEO enters a room, there's a wait. Yes or no? That's what glory is. It's a supernatural presence that changes the atmosphere. And that's what God wants to bring back to the church, and that is what is missing today. So our praise and worship's turned into concerts. Hearing the word of God's turned into a pep talk. God's wanting to change it. He said, the Lord will arise over you. His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. It'll affect young and old, rich or poor. The elite or the pauper. Two things are coming. The spirit of Antichrist is already here. But that spirit of Antichrist is going to get stronger. I mentioned Wednesday night. I believe you may disagree with my theology, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I just have a a feeling that we're going to see the arising of the Antichrist in the Middle East. And when he rises, some people will know it and others won't because some will be deceived and have no clue. And they'll think it's a wonderful thing for those that are clued in will know this is not good spirit of antichrist will get stronger and then secondly and the spirit of antichrist along with that is is uh, lawlessness anything goes any morals are okay the only thing that's not okay is the seeming rigidness of christians yeah the religiousness of born-again Christianity's got to go. That's what he will say. But everything else will, hey, hip hip hooray! it's party time. And most people will say, you know, it's really cool. There are no laws. You can do what you want to do. Act like you want to act. Be as belligerent as the devil himself. You can lust sin. There is no sin. What's sin? Sin, there is no sin. Do what you want to do. It's an amoral time. Amoral means no morals. Get it? Second thing that's coming is the power of God is going to be amazingly strong. There is going to be a remnant of people worldwide that will choose to seek God with all of their hearts. And those people will be marked by the Spirit of God. And they'll be used to minister life to people. And bring people that are in deep darkness out of it into, into extreme light. And, and, and they'll be used to set people free now which camp do you want to be in you have to answer that question yourself which camp do you want to be in do you want to be where where the frivolity what does that mean what does it mean to be frivolous surface only do that which appeals to you and satisfies you at the moment that's person that's frivolous right so you're going to be that or am I going to be a person that seeks God so His power can come on my life so that people can be helped and set free? Yeah? That makes sense. So And then I want to make this comment. When a person chooses to do what they know is wrong and they violate conscience, how many know, the Apostle Paul talked about the conscience being seared as with a hot iron, First Timothy chapter four. Yes or no? Did he talk about it? It's not in my notes. This is a prophetic kind of speaking, so I have to watch my notes and listen inside. Now, the Spirit expressly, listen to 1 Timothy 4 1, expressly says, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. What does it mean to depart from the faith? That means you were at one time in it. Yes or no? If he said, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Now I'm going to leave this one right here. I'm going to speak it, and then not even mess with it today. Is it possible to be a believer and lose it and not go to heaven? That's a big question. I've had people come into this room at the end of a meeting and say, you believe in once saved, always saved? I think I said it Wednesday night. I said, well, you're as saved as you want to be. But he said, here... In the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. Now, wait a minute. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. Hypocrites is the Greek word. You know what that means? It was, it was used as of stage actors in the first century. They would put on masks and uh, play in plays and everybody watched the play. They, they had a pseudo character in the play. It wasn't really them. They put a mask on and became someone else. So he says, here there'll be those that speak lies in hypocrisy. That is, what they're saying is not true to them themselves. They don't live what they preach. Then he said, having their own conscience seared, carterized, that's where we get that English word from, the Greek word that's from, carterized with a hot iron. What is that? That's a person. Who repeatedly does what they know not to do. Now here we are in America. James 4.17 it says. He that knows to do good and does not do it. To him it's sin. Yes or no. When I know to do and I choose otherwise. There's a carterizing. Of my heart toward God. Conscience. We immunize ourselves from the voice of conscience. When we do what we know not to do, and we do it because we want to, because everybody else is doing it. How many get it? What does that create? Deception. Why? When I refuse to hear the voice of conscience, and I become immune to the voice of conscience, God uses the voice of conscience to speak to believers. I become immune to the voice of God and I become attuned to the spirit of this age and the deceptions of this age. That's why Jesus said, everybody's quiet, y'all okay? Matthew 24, first thing Jesus said, I've said this I don't know how many times, when he comes back, he said, what's it gonna be like before you come back and before the end of the age? First thing he said, beware that no one deceives you. Now, what does that tell you? That the atmosphere is going to be an atmosphere that if you're not sensitive to God, you'll just get pulled into doing what everybody else is doing because it seems to be right because everybody else is doing it. And if you have that ideology, you could end up in the wrong place. Yes or no? Wow. So now I want to make a comment. Purity is an offensive weapon. And without purity, I can become entangled in deception into the snares of the culture around me. And I could lose fellowship with God to the point that one day I don't care. There was a young man, I read the article yesterday, who wrote a book back in the late, or late 90s. I won't even mention the book or the young man's name. I read the article, it's just out. And um, the book he wrote was about purity and walking with God and such. And he made the comment this past week. He left his wife. And then he said, The book I wrote was wrong. And I've wept with tears. I've wept bitter tears because I wrote it. And then he said, I'm no longer a Christian in the terms that you're thinking of. Now I read that, you can read what I read, I'm not even going to say any more about that except to say, I use that as an illustration, if I don't choose purity, now I don't know his situation, and I'm not his judge, I'm just saying that. If I don't choose purity, I'm vulnerable to deception. How many hear me? The moment I choose to be impure in, in, in whatever way, that moment I choose deception, really. So purity is an offensive weapon, I wrote this down, number one, that will keep you from being deceived. Number two, it'll give you power over the attacks of the enemy. Have you ever felt attacked by some, something beyond you and you don't know why, you just feel so strange? How I many you know there's a, there's a real spiritual world? We live in a spiritual world as well as a natural world. And sometimes that world will attack you, yes or no? Ah. Give you power over the attacks of the enemy. Purity will. And three, it'll give you an ability to be used by the Holy Spirit to set other people free. Purity is a powerful thing. As I was before God and had that experience this morning, the scripture came to me immediately. I took my iPhone. I have a program called Google Keep where I keep things, notes. And I mean, I turned that thing on as quickly as I could. And I, I was on my knees. I sat up and I typed as quickly as I could type the following verses he gave me. then. Purity is an offensive weapon. And it'll create a spiritual shield around you. How many want that? Y'all are here. Y'all are real quiet. Y'all just looking. Y'all Okay. So here's what came, 2 Corinthians 10, 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. How many know you've got an arsenal of weapons spiritually, and most believers never pick them up? I want to submit today one of your weapons is purity purity forms a shield around your life i'm gonna show you in a minute it forms a shield and you're invincible to the attacks of the enemy because you've chosen purity because you've chosen the presence over the flesh the presence of god over the flesh when the enemy comes he can't get through he just can't get through and you stand there with a smile because you made a choice. You know, we used to wear these little wristbands. I said yes. And if you'll say yes to God, it's not hard to say no to the flesh and the things around us in our culture that are creeping up. 2 Corinthians 6 6, we prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness. By the Holy Spirit within us, by our sincere love, we faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. Watch this. We use the weapons of righteousness on the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. That righteousness is a right spate of being and doing. That's a state of living where you do nothing that offends God. I don't mean to holler, am I hollering? It just comes out, y'all. It creates a shield around you. Did y'all get this? How many are hearing me? It really creates a shield. Ephesians 6, 12, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day in heaven. done all to stand, stand therefore." Having girded your waist with truth, having put on, here it is, the breastplate of righteousness. That's right being and right doing. You've made choices to walk in purity. It's a shield. Is that good? Man. Having shod your feet with a firm foundation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. When you make a decision for purity, nothing can get to you. Huh? You get it? Psalm 3. Lord, how have they increased to trouble me? Many are those who rise up against me. Many are they who say of my soul. This was the song we sang back in the early 80s. There is no help for him in God. You know that song? Somebody said, yep. But you, oh Lord, are a shield for me. You're my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept and I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You've broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. You, O Lord, are a shield about me. When you choose to walk in the presence of God, the conscious, tangible presence of God, nothing can get through. People can criticize, complain, defame, steal, lie, and cheat against you. But nothing, but nothing can get in your heart. Is that good? I I just had, I saw it in my mind's eye. Here's Jesus. Crowds are angry at him because the religious people are angry. He's calling himself the son of God and the crowds are taunting him and they get him right to the edge of a hill. And he looks back and he looks at all them and because the shield is around him walks right through No my body can take my life until it's time for me to go and I fulfill my ministry. Yes or no? You, O oh Lord, are a shield. You ever saw purity as a shield? Psalm 5, 12. For you, O oh Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You surround him as with a shield. Romans 13, 11, And do know this, and do this knowing the time that now is high time to awaken out of sleep. For our salvation is nearer than when we first believe. the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the what? Armor of light. The armor of purity. The armor of holy living. The armor of saying yes to God. So regardless of the tauntings in our culture, you say, I don't want it and don't need it. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness. We have a whole generation coming up. When I was a young boy, if you were a believer, you generally just didn't drink alcoholic beverages. Now I'm going here. Get your tomatoes ready. I'm going here. I have personal reasons for not drinking alcoholic beverages because they ruined my mother's family. I know the hell and have and then I've I've been in ministry since 1981 and I've seen people lives that are ruined and i've done funerals that should not have been done yet because people died because of drink or those that were drinking how many hear me but now we got a whole now we got a whole generation coming up now we got all kinds of flavors of beer is that true or not makes it taste good to drink some You say, well, the Bible doesn't say it's a sin. Not the Bible doesn't say it's a sin to drink, but it says if you're a leader, you don't need to be tipping the bottle because you'll make wrong judgments. It says, drinketh for those who are sad. Those who are full of woe. Go read it in the book of Proverbs. I'm not sad. I'm not full of woe. You know, if I wanted to drink a beer, I'm free to drink one. If I wanted to get me a shot of liquor and put it in my glass, I'm free to do that. But I'm not going to do it. Because <laughs> I'm answering to somebody inside who gives me something so far better. There is no alcohol. There is no drug. There is no hallucinogenic drug. And I've been high on those things that can touch what God can do inside you. And that can give you the sense that the presence of God gives and the peace that starts from the inside out. There is nothing in this life. I did notice the Levites, those that bore the presence of God, the priestly class. They didn't drink wine, strong drink. They made a vow. I have the presence of God in me. Why would I want that stuff? Now, if you drink, you've got to deal with you and God. I'm just showing you what he said here. You do have the temptations that if you do too much, you're drunk. I don't have that temptation. How many hear me? Now, some people are upset with me. Fine. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, To fulfill its lusts. Is that good? The armor of light. Y'all, it's really something. How many want that armor on? You got to make choices. What's important to you? Is God important to you? You know, I look at it. Well, I mean, really, what's important? You got, you know, 80 if you do it right, 90 years. Maybe if you want to live to be 100. Father, for me, if I'm going to live... I want my body working. Or take me home. That's me, right? That's just me. Versus years you can't count in eternity. A hundred years from now, we're going to be where we're going. We will be at our destiny. Where's yours? Is it heaven? Is it with God? Is it with Jesus? Well, what you value now determines what road you're on. And where are you going? So if I'm a believer, do I live like one? Or am I living like everybody else? You might be on the wrong road if you're living like everybody else. Right? Now let me clean this up. I'm a pastor. Let me clean it up. You know the Lord, but you still have desires you had before you came to Jesus. I did too. Huh? My flesh still has desires I had when I was a, when I was a druggie. But I just say no. I found something better. How many hear me? Does my flesh still want to sin? Yes. But see, when you answer to Him, and when you have a relationship with Him, it's just not interesting anymore. Now, if I stop communing with Him, reading the Word, praying, fellowshipping with His people, and let my spiritual life die down, I'll go back to what I was. And so will you. Huh? Huh? So now we're we're attending church services less than we ever have in America, and it's showing up in how we're living, isn't it? It's showing up in our children and what they value, isn't it? So God's calling us; He's asking us; He's asking us to embrace purity. Y'all need to go on up there. I'm I'm pretty much done. Did y'all get this? I mean seriously, y'all. It's like a shield. You say, well, this person I'm, you know, this person I'm working with, they're saying this, they're doing that, they're inviting me to parties, and, you know, then I got this other person, and, you know, on the slide when nobody's looking, this person's winking at me. And I'm married. When you embrace purity, it doesn't matter. Hey, winking, good. praise God. How many hear me? Huh? And when the flesh comes of wanting to fling a little bit, do stuff. you just don't want it. You just don't want it. So what am I full of? You know, it was heartbreaking to think. The Apostle Paul, if you believe he wrote the book of Hebrews, he wrote over half the New Testament. He had a young man, Second Timothy chapter 4, named Demas. 2 Timothy chapter 4 is the last chapter the Apostle Paul wrote. He was just about to be killed. A sword hit his neck, cut his head off. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness whom the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. He said, bring my coat, bring some books. Then he said, Demas hath forsaken me for the love of this present world. Different translations make it real clear. He valued this present life and what it could give him over the spiritual life. Demas. I read that as a young man. I often thought, my God, I could be me. I could be Demas. Demas. I could be walking closely with the Lord, walking closely with those at the time. I was walking closely with some people who knew God amazingly. I had amazing experiences with the Lord. But I thought to myself, I could be a Demas. I could forsake the right way and get to see Demas forsook Paul. How, why, how in the world could you walk with a man of that caliber? Because you don't have the armor on. Because you don't make a decision for purity. Purity make a decision that I I want the presence more than life itself or anything that life offers me. Then there are people like Hymenaeus and Alexander in 1 Timothy 1 verse out of 20 or so, who Paul turned over to the devil that they might learn not to blaspheme. And then lastly, 2 Thessalonians 2. This scripture's bothered me for a lot of years. For a long time, I didn't know what to do with it. And in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1, it speaks. In fact, let me just read it from my old hard copy Bible. You know, you might want to start reading your hard copy Bible again if anything ever happens and you can't charge up your iPad. Right? (laughs) I like electronics personally. Now listen to this. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit, word, or letter, uh, as if from us as though the day of Christ has come. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day. That is the day that Jesus comes and takes us to heaven. will not come unless there come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed, I've always wondered what that was. That falling away is a falling away from the faith. We are right in the middle of a falling away from the faith in a lot of ways. And God is calling us. How many hear me? God's calling the American church, number one, to repent. To repent means to take a different path because you've changed how you think. It literally means to take a 180 degree turn. You go in one way and you go the opposite way. That's what it means. It's a change of heart. It's a change of action produced by an inner change. Repent. Right? I'm asking you to come with me today on a journey. I'm a pastor and I'm responsible for the people God places at Victory Church. Today, a lot of people won't let you pastor them because they're too Because they're too self sufficient and they just hop around church to church to church because they don't like somebody or something the pastor said or something happening at a church God called them to. But pastors have a heart for people, and I have one. And my heart for you is for you to be protected by this armor. Nasty is coming. I don't know how ever, it's going to get worse than it ever has been. You know. You're going to be tempted in ways you never have. You're going to be able to stand the temptation? Are you going to follow way well like everybody else and get into false doctrine, which equals false living? I don't know about you. I want to make the choice. I'm going to walk with God. I want that shield around me.